Lord Jesus Christ, King of all creation, we come now submitting ourselves to you. We confess that there is no power in us, Jesus, to transform our own lives. But we open our hearts to you and say, come Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus in your power and reform us into your image. You are good and beautiful and we long to follow you. We pray it in your name, Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, uh, happy Ash Wednesday to you. Uh, I looked for a, uh, a greeting for a long time. What's an appropriate Ash Wednesday greeting? But I think happy Ash Wednesday is appropriate. Uh, today is a, a somber day, but it's still a happy day. It's a happy day because it is a day of turning from life, from death to life, a day for breaking chains. It is a day of fasting, but it's a day when we're called to fast, even to mourn, assured and confident of Jesus' love for us, of his forgiveness that is ready to be received. Today, of course, is the beginning of Lent. It's kind of a season of spring cleaning for our lives, when all of the broken things that collect over the course of a year have a chance to be purged and made new. There's hard work involved, but it's good work. Today, Ash Wednesday, of course, is named for the strange ritual that we perform on this day, marking our heads with ash. I remember the very first time that I saw someone on an Ash Wednesday walking around with ash on their head, and I confess I was confused. I thought it was quite strange. I didn't know what to make of it. Uh, and I would still say it's a, a bit strange, but in a really good and beautiful way. So why are we going to do this? If we're going to mark our heads with ash today, let's understand why. What does it mean? Why are we doing it? The ashes are a reminder of two very important things. The first is that you are going to die. The second is that Jesus has conquered death. You are going to die, but Jesus has conquered death. Now, to say that you're going to die is a pretty intense way to start. Maybe not the message we want to begin with every day, but it is the message today. Because it's a truth that we need to face. Our culture, our culture is largely in denial about death. We tend to hide away the sick and dying, while the rest of us stay so busy and entertained uh, that we really don't have the chance to think much about it. And we're glad not to think about it, which makes sense. Death is scary and sad. But the reality of death has a way of catching up with us anyway, whether we're in denial about it or not. So the service and the entire season of Lent reminds us that we will die. And it, it gives us this reminder not to scare us into obeying the rules, but to teach us how to live. Remembering our mortality puts the rest of our lives in perspective in a way that nothing else really can. It helps us see what truly matters and what does not. It teaches us to number our days as the psalmist prayed, that we might gain hearts of wisdom. Now, it is countercultural to think about death, but this message, the one that I'm talking about right now, is, it does pop up at time and time again in culture. I mean, I think the world knows this, though it's hard to face, right? Like, you think about Ebenezer Scrooge uh, with the ghosts and seeing the end of his life and being completely transformed by that experience. Or, or uh, there's an old country song. Uh, how does it go? It's like, uh, I went skydiving, I went... Rocky Mountain climbing, and a bunch of other stuff happens. And someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, 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 song's, that song's been in my head all week. I can't get rid of it. I try not to sing up here. I'm always tempted. 
uh, but it happened today, so uh, Lord have mercy. Um, <laughs> but, but Tim McGraw and Charles Dickens were trying to communicate the same thing, right? Uh, it's that if we are able uh, to, to go through our lives without reckoning with our mortality, without facing death, we're probably going to end up living for things that don't matter. We're probably going to end up allowing trivial fears, petty resentments, selfish desires to dominate our thoughts and our choices. We're probably going to take the people who matter the most for us, to us for granted. We probably will. We'll probably put off the hard work of honesty and forgiveness and love for another day again and again for some hypothetical future when things are a little less busy that just never somehow seems to arrive. So friends, one of the worst things that could happen to us is that we somehow succeed in avoiding the truth of our mortality through our entire lives, that we manage to live empty, broken ways and never be confronted about it until, and we never get the chance to regret any of this until it's too late, until death is imminent and finally unignorable. And so though it sounds like bad news, the church, motivated by love, teaches us wisdom and brings forth this reminder year after year, marked in ash right here where we can't miss it, you are dust, and to dust you will return. Of course, on its own, the news that we're going to die would be cause for despair. But thank God there is more to the story. The ashes that you live with on your forehead today will be, will be in the shape of a cross. And they tell a greater story than the one that the world knows. So the message for us today isn't just, you're going to die, to die so make the most of your life while you can. The message is, you're going to die. But Jesus has conquered death. So turn to him and live in his victory. Jesus has conquered death. So let's talk a little bit about the cross. Of course, before it was a symbol of hope, the cross was first a terrifying way of killing. It was a form of execution designed with one thing particular in mind, and that was it was designed to terrorize. The cross was meant to be a megaphone for death, a standing threat of unthinkable agony and shame for anybody who dared to cross the ones who wielded its power. It was a symbol that amplified the already enormous power of fear that death already carried. It said, in effect, don't mess with us or this will happen to you. But Jesus was not deterred. He did not turn away from the cross. He went willingly to the cross, suffering its violence and its shame. And so Ash Wednesday and the rest of the season of Lent is a season for facing the cross. It is a cross-facing season. When we put it again on our foreheads, right here where we can't miss it, it's a time to gaze at the cross, to stop and, remembering, to stop and remember the suffering that Jesus faced. Now here again, this may seem pretty dark initially, maybe even unhealthy, to be preoccupied with something as gruesome as the crucifixion. Like, why dwell on Jesus' suffering? Friends, during Lent, we don't make ourselves sad or suffer on purpose to try and deserve what Jesus did. We're not trying to earn anything from God. How could we? Jesus has already done everything. He's already loved us to the uttermost on the cross. 
We're not grieving to make Jesus happy. It's some kind of show of appreciation for a sacrifice. No, during Lent, today on Ash Wednesday, we turn towards the cross to see and understand Jesus' love for us. Because when you look at the cross, you begin to understand in a way, again, that maybe we can't any other way. That Jesus isn't trying to make us suffer. Jesus has taken our suffering on himself. He's not trying to ruin our lives. He's not trying to ruin our fun. He's not trying to interfere. Jesus is not trying to make us suffer. He has taken our suffering on himself. And it's critical that we know that. Friends, let me belabor the point. Jesus Christ, our Savior and King, set aside the power and beauty and glory of heaven. He became a human being like me and you, vulnerable like me and you. He suffered the most powerful temptation Satan had to offer. He was attacked by his own people, betrayed by his own followers, constantly misunderstood. He stirred up the wrath of the world's mightiest empire, and all of this culminated in his body being torn and broken and hung on a cross to die. And all of this, he suffered all of this because he saw our suffering, our suffering, so much of it self-inflicted. He saw the way that we destroy ourselves with sin, the way we hurt each other. He saw the way that Satan had blinded and enslaved us, and in his sorrow for us, in his mercy for us, in his love for us, he determined to do something about it. He made our pain his own, literally. And through the immeasurable power of his suffering love, he overcame the power of Satan and our sins against us and against each other, and even our sins against him, the maker and lover of all that we abuse and neglect. So if we don't look at our Lord's hard road to the cross, if we don't turn and face the cross, we just won't know how to make sense of the evil that we find in the world. We'll call God unjust when we encounter suffering and think that he is blind to it. He's not blind to it. When we face the cross, we come to understand that God is not blind to our suffering. He's not blind to our loss or to the evil in the world. He's not sitting idly by. The cross is God's answer to evil. The cross is God's answer to the suffering that we face. It's what he has done and what he is doing about it. In Christ, he has stepped all the way into the darkness for us. If we don't face the cross, we'll not understand that we're actually sharing God's grief when we grieve over the world's injustices, when we ache seeing the pain of the ones that we love. If we don't face the cross, God's forgiveness will ultimately seem cheap and small to us. It'll be hard to believe that it's big enough to deal with our big mistakes. It'll make it easy for us to keep on hurting ourselves and each other flippantly. So today, during the season of Lent for 40 days, we make room to remember our Lord's suffering love. We do this not so that we will feel more ashamed of ourselves. We remember the cross so that we will begin to grasp how much we are loved. This much. And because our God has loved us this much, death and its partner sin, they are so deeply connected they have lost their power. It has been broken and taken away. So we do not have to live in their grip anymore. 
Jesus won the victory on the cross, and his kingdom is breaking into the world. It's here now. But we also recognize that everything will not be made whole again until he returns again. So we still sin. We still hurt each other. We still hurt ourselves. And we continue to experience the loss of death. But we, but we confess that something has changed. The power of death to separate us forever is gone. And so its power to control us with fear is also broken. Sin persists, yes. But Jesus has shown us a better way to live. By the power of the Spirit. Guided by the truth of his word. One with his body, the church. We can have victory day by day and live changed lives now. And we're invited to. And that's what today is about. We are here to say yes to Jesus. To turn away from what is empty towards the one who is himself light and life and resurrection. Friends, you were made for eternal glories. To be united with your creator, the one who loves you even unto death. So that whatever you're hooked on, something richer and more beautiful is waiting for you. This means that repentance isn't just about avoiding punishment and negative consequences. It's about getting in on the better things that God, in his mercy, literally made you for. This is what the cross that we will mark on our foreheads today says. You will die, but Jesus has conquered death. So say yes to him. Follow him, turn from death, and live today. Set aside the, tip, the tepid, empty things in your life and follow Jesus. Repent and believe the good news. In just a moment, the next thing we're going to do, actually, is we're going to come to this rail and receive ashes on our heads. After that, we're going to pray through a litany of penance. It's a long list of prayers that's sort of a diagnostic tool. It's an opportunity to, to go through our lives and think about what's broken, what's out of sorts. And then we will come again to the rail for communion to receive Christ's own body and blood, his, the, the sure sign of his love and forgiveness for us. All of these things together are an opportunity to look in the mirror, to come out of hiding, to see what's really going on in our lives. And we do this, as our Old Testament reading said, trusting that Jesus really does love us, that he really can break the power of sin and shame that we carry. Trusting his all-giving love. As we come forward, it's an opportunity to check the trajectory of our lives and ask honestly, where is the way that I am living taking me? Who am I becoming by living this way? If I do the same thing again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, who will I become? Am I becoming more like Jesus and experiencing the life and freedom that comes from him? Or am I moving bit by bit further from him, deeper into emptiness and death? And it's not just an invitation to feel differently about the broken parts of our life. It's an, it's a, it's an invitation to turn and change our ways. Jesus is inviting us to live in new ways. And so it's part of the question we bring. How, Christ, are you inviting me to live differently in these next 40 days? The traditional practices of Lent, fasting, giving, praying, performing acts of service for others. These are not punishments. They are not ways to earn God's favor. They are ways to detox from our addictions. 
Ways that bring us back in touch with what we really need. With Jesus, with his love, with his presence, with his ways. Ways of practicing loving him with our whole heart and mind and soul. Ways of practicing loving our neighbors as ourselves. So the question, friends, as we come to receive these ashes, to receive the message that we will die, but that we will live again in Christ, the question is, how is Jesus inviting you to follow him out of death and into life today? We are going to die, but in Christ there is resurrection, eternal life, but also a new kind of life available today. In light of this truth, friends, let us repent and believe the good news. Jesus, we confess again that we do not have the power to turn on our own. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move, not through my words simply, but in our hearts to change what is broken, to fill what is empty with your Spirit. Lord Jesus, may your resurrection come alive in us today. We pray it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand.